I focus on food content creation, which is like a dream job for so many people. A lot of Gen Zers becoming entrepreneurs at a very young age compared yes. to a lot of millennials. I think it's just the Gen Z mindset. So what they, is it? What is the mindset? Tell us. I think <laughs> right now there's so many opportunities mm -hmm. and sitting on a desk nine to five is just not the Gen Z way. They do. What do you think is the art of maintaining a relationship with a brand? You know, if it's like a paid collaboration, you get excited. You're like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Not over promising. What if it's just not up to par with what you had expected. So what I do, I have a system. So what if it was a paid deal? That that That's makes hard. it tricky, right? You buy a small, you need to be careful. Yeah. You need to be good with influencers. You need to be good with agencies. Hello and welcome Hiba to the Pulp Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, disclaimer, guys, me and Hiba used to work together, so um, yes. I do know a little bit about you, but I want, I want everyone else to get to know you. You were a social media journalist. You then um, kind of paved your own way to become a digital uh, content creator yourself. So you yes. created your own basically digital agency. And the exciting thing about that is that you focus only on food. You're a full-time food content creator. Yes. Which is like a dream job for so many people. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it involves a lot of eating. So basically, I focus on food content creation. But then now I started doing a little bit of traveling or even if it's like within UAE, like going on road trips, doing activities, things like that, because food is fun. But also, it's very easy to be done with it. You know, right. how much are you going to eat? Oh my God, Basically. I want to get into that so much because I feel like it's a, it's there's a lot of questions on people's minds of like what it takes to become exactly. full-time content creator just focused on food. But I before that, I just want you to tell us, take us through the journey of like how you decided to go from one, like a full-time job, secure, salary-based mm -hmm. to creating your own agency that's based on, you know, creating content for food and for restaurants. Okay, so basically for me, I was you know, enjoying it a lot. Like, so first I was a journalist, mm -hmm. a multimedia journalist. Mm -hmm. We work together. Mm -hmm. We have some great memories from we that. Great <laughs> memories, great videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I started working uh, in a social media role. So mm -hmm. I was in a marketing, um, in a marketing team. So I think I learned a lot just within those three years. And then I was like, you know what? And this content creation is something I had been doing for Cloud9 Couture. Mm -hmm. I'd been doing it for years. I started it in high school. Okay. It was something I was really passionate about. It was like a hobby. So people have like photography, singing, dancing, mm -hmm. things like that. For me, it was content creation. Okay. So I realized, you know, that was sort of taking off as well. I got to know how to create content. I was good at it. And then people were asking me as well. So restaurants I would collaborate with, they would ask, they would be like, okay, what if, you know, you could do like a monthly thing for us, mm. create content. So that's where the idea came from. I'm like, you know mm -hmm. what, let's make a content agency that focuses on food content creation. Yeah, that's yeah. really exciting. Look, like before we get into the content stuff, I just I just had an observation and yeah. I want you uh, I want to hear your feedback like if you agree or not. Like I realize a lot of Gen Zers are confident enough are becoming confident enough to like create their own way, like becoming entrepreneurs at a very young age compared yes. to a lot of millennials like since I was growing up. Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. I think it's just the Gen Z mindset. So what they, is it? What is the mindset? Tell us. I think I think the mindset is that they don't want to work for anyone, basically. And where did that come from? I think it's just I honestly, that's a really good question, because I think it's just the way that we were raised. And then the like 
right now there's so many opportunities mm -hmm. people can like become content create creators like within a day or two days and mm -hmm. then videos go viral so fast so it's just a very fast-paced sort of world right. and sitting on a desk nine to five is just not the gen z way they do it's it for a while a, yeah until they realize they can and then they start something on their own and there's just so much in the world there's artificial intelligence there's right. chat gbt there's social media platforms Threads just launched. Like there's new hap new stuff happening all the time. It's so interesting because I feel like it's such an inspiration for like people from our, my generation, like millennials yeah. who are like, oh my God, I'm now going to have to leave my nine to five. Where am I going to get money from? Like, yeah. that's a big one. Do you think also maybe like Gen Z, because you guys like do still live at home sometimes. <laughs> so there's a little bit of cushion. Yes. Do you think that's a yeah, helpful yeah, for thing? for sure. Yeah. I think people romanticize leaving a job right you know i just left my nine to five like if you read those stories on linkedin this sound of uh they sort of sound fake right i left my nine to five now i'm achieving this now i'm traveling the world i'm doing this i'm doing that when you leave your nine to five it hits you by the way it's like a reality check when you're not getting that monthly salary yeah. i think whether you're a millennial whether you're a gen z you're human right you have needs right so that is a big reality check what that money doesn't come in but for me for example i live with my parents so i had that cushion and then they actually motivated me they're like you know what just do it like if you're not going to do it now when are you going to do it my dad especially like he's yeah always supportive and all of that but if people don't have that i know it can be tricky mm -hmm. But content creation, things like this, there's another way to do it. Mm. While you have a full-time job, I think you should do it. Like, yeah. don't think too much. Don't think too much. Yeah. I feel like it's like a cross, like a, like a cross between opportunity hmm. and that like feeling of why should I work nine to five if there's such a, it's a, there's a faster way to do it. If exactly. there's a faster way to get to where, instead of like waiting for a raise and waiting exactly. for, right? Um, okay, so take us through how you started. Like, so you you told us that you started um, in high school, which yeah. is which is exciting. Um, but then, like, how did you know that this is like it, like a, a hobby that could turn into something professional? Like, when was your first brand deal, or when was like the first time that you even thought about reaching out to a brand? Okay, so when I started Cloud Nine Couture, it was obviously just you know me showing people, my lifestyle, things like that. Even my name, Cloud9 Couture. So people think that I do fashion. That's what I thought. Yes. <laughs> and which is how I started. So I started doing fashion, makeup, okay. food. Like I was doing everything. I was all over the place. I didn't have a niche because I just started it randomly. And then I realized that I loved food more. This was like a year into it. And my first brand deal, I think, was was a restaurant for sure. Like I was so excited. I still remember when I got invited to this one store opening in Dubai Ball. That was my first one. It was like a chocolate boutique. It wasn't paid. It was like a barter collaboration. Okay. But even that was such a proud thing for me. I was like, wow, like I got invited. Oh, my God. All this stuff is free. That's so cool. <laughs> so that's how it started. Yeah. Amazing. So. After that, were you like, okay, this is something that I could take seriously? Like, how did you know how to even approach a brand? Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that, I know that's... You can't just be hard. like, oh, can I can I get this for free? Or especially, do you want to pay me? Yeah, especially because you're still growing. You were, I'm sure you were yeah. a smaller creator than you are now, right? Like, yes, for sure. When, how many, do you remember how many like followers you had when you had your first brand deal? I actually don't remember how many followers I had, but I think I started getting some serious collaborations, like better collaborations after reaching 5K. But okay. yeah, but that number changes frequently as well. Mm -hmm. So now 
you know, it's a bigger number. People want like 20,000, 30,000 followers like that. But I think if your content is good, the number of followers don't matter as much. If an agency is good, they'll know. Because a lot of people out there are buying followers. Yes. I'm just going to put it out there. It's true. I know it's very true. And I don't know if you know about this website. So if you put in your username, it's going to tell you what percent of your followers are fake. And it's 100% accurate, by the way. Yeah. Wow. So I'm so glad they came out with that. What's the website called? Uh, I actually need to find the link yeah. exactly, but it's we'll put so it in accurate. The link <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you get like five free tries, so you can okay. put like five usernames on Instagram and see. Wait, can you put other people's usernames? Yeah, that's the best part. That's, no, that's amazing for agencies. That's crazy. I'm gonna send you the link. Okay, <laughs> so basically, we can just we can find you out, guys. Like, if you think <laughs> if, if you have fake followers, we <laughs> we're gonna catch you. We're onto you. <laughs> um. That's the, but that's like so also like very hopeful for people who have a small following, right? Because yes. then it's like, okay, we don't need like ten thousand to twenty thousand to whatever thirty thousand. Like we can we can start small, right? Exactly. So is there like a way, a specific way to approach a brand? Can you like give us a little bit of insight? Yeah, sure. Okay, so if you're interested in working with a restaurant or a hotel, you know, there's no shame in approaching a brand. Mm. That's what people need to know. Like. It's good to get invites and things like that. But if there's a restaurant or a hotel you really want to go to, this is how you reach out to them. So you obviously like, you know, say hello, like uh, all of that. And then mm-hmm. you give like a little background. Like I had a look at your hotel or your page popped up on my feed. It looks so interesting. This is the kind of content I do. This, These are the kind of audience I have. You can even mention insights. Okay. You can make a media kit where you can put your reach, your followers from TikTok, Instagram, everything. So mm. a brand can click on that media kit and they'll know. Yeah. So, yeah. The media kit thing is for like bigger collaborations. If you want to work with maybe Hilton or IHG or yeah. things like that. Sorry for interrupting. No, 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 that's okay. (laughs) You can ask as many questions as you want. I was just going to say, like, how many, uh, I mean, where do I find a media kit? How do I know how to make one? Are there tutorials online? Yes, there are amazing tutorials on YouTube and you can make media kits on Canva. Okay. So if you just buy Canva Pro, I think Mm -hmm. the features are incredible. You can do so much. I am sure you use it. I have, I have used it. I love it. Even (laughs) for like podcast art and thumbnails, thumbnails, logos, everything Mm -hmm. you can do it on Canva. No, it is great. Amazing. So, so you approach, um, you approach them, you tell them exactly what you want, how many, um, you tell them also like your analytics and stuff. Like, do you tell them your numbers or do you don't show that? Straight up? No, I don't do that. But if it's like a media kit, as I said, like for bigger collaborations or hotels, things like that, Mm -hmm. then I will include some of my analytics. So my insights, like how many of my followers are male, female, the age group, just like basic things like that. And how much reach my reels have, because Reels and TikToks are the most important thing right now. Yeah. No one cares about images. Like right. most people don't. It's just always videos. So then you just reach out to them or you can just leave them a DM. If it's like a bigger company, you can always leave them an email. And yeah, just like being very professional, very polite. And if they decline, like don't let that stop you from reaching out to other brands because you never know. That's how you start as well. Do you think you should push if someone if someone says no, do you think you should reach out again late at a later stage? I think no, because if they say no in the beginning, it's most probably because they think your content doesn't line with their brand. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. But sometimes, you know, uh, so when I was a smaller creator, I did message a few brands mm-hmm. like in the initial stages and they never responded. And then later, yeah. like when I grew, I get an invite from them or things like that. And then I'm just like, 
do I want to go? Like maybe, the, you know, why did they say no in the beginning? But right. also then I get the brand's point of view. Like it's all about the followers. hundred percent. And I think it's important, like you said, like put your ego aside because yeah. at some point you were a smaller creator. Maybe they didn't see the value. Exactly. They just didn't see it. But then you showed them. <laughs> yeah. And also your content, you're not going to start up and just be amazing at it. 100%. It's with anything in this, uh, like, you know, even with like journalism or anything, when you start, you're not good at it. But I think you learn along the way. So I don't believe in natural talent. Mm, I think yeah. you can always learn and be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad evolve. you said that so that it can give people a little bit of hope. Like, guys, yeah. you don't have to be perfect from the exactly. get go. Um, tell us a little bit more about like the creative side, because I know you're like a creative person. You have great, like a great aesthetic eye. Um, when you go to a restaurant, can you give us like a bit of what what equipment do we need and what should people focus on just visually okay so is this uh for like food content creation food right? content okay. like i'm going into a restaurant right now mm. i'm a food content creator i want to get them like really good shots yes but like where do i start <laughs> <laughs> okay so for the equipment point of view um the most important things the three most important things Having a good mic, that mm -hmm. is if you want to do voiceovers and all of that. Okay. Having a tripod and having a light that you get from Amazon. Okay. Also, I will send you that link, Amazing. guys. Don't worry, linked. I got you. That <laughs> light was a game changer, by the way. What is it? Was it like a portable light? Yeah, it's like the size of my hand. Okay. But the light is so bright and you can change colors and all of that. Okay. So in the beginning, I would say no to dinner tastings or events at night who needed content. I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, my content is not going to be good at night. But with that light, it has changed. Now I just like any time of the day I can do a tasting. I always keep it in my bag. Because you are hooked up now. Yeah. You got all the equipment. <laughs> all right. Amazing. So yes, having these three equipments is important. I uh, And if you want to go to a restaurant, you know, and you don't have anyone to go with, you can always carry your tripod. Amazing. So yeah, you don't always need people to film for you. Okay. But I'm sorry, what was your other? Which angles should I focus on first? So I think it's good to just, you know, have a look around yeah. and just see, okay, where's the light coming from? What are the good angles? And then just try to find something on the menu that's unique as well. Mm -hmm. And what also helps is asking the people who work there, what is the most presentable dish? Yes. Yes. I was going to ask you about that. Like, does it, does every restaurant have to be Instagrammable kind of no. or no, right? You, you can make it Instagrammable. Yes, and not everything has to be aesthetic as well. So there are a lot of hidden gems or like tiny shawarma spots. I'm sure you've been to. Even if you make videos about that, people find it so useful and it can go viral. People love cheap eats. So it's not always the aesthetic. It's also the value that you bring to people 100%. through the video. So I was going to ask you, like, how do you choose your restaurants? Like, is it just is it just what you're in the mood for? Like, what, what, how do you kind of um, do you give them like a priority list or what do you okay. do? So, I mean, it depends on the invites and everything. So mm -hmm. from the invites, I will shortlist. A few will agree for barter. A few will agree for paid. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, if you're getting into content creation, it's very important to have a rate card. Right. That is another thing I wanted to mention. Okay. Yes. If you want to monetize it. Can we get into the rate card thing afterwards? Yeah, for I, sure. We're going to get... Yeah. Okay. We can talk about that in yeah. detail. Yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll just go back because uh, I think I threw yeah. you off a little bit. Um. So basically, we were talking about how do you choose your restaurants? Yes. How do I choose my restaurants? So it depends on the invites and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I will go to the ins uh, the restaurant's Instagram page. I will try to find it. How does it look and all of that. And then I always want to mix it up a little bit. So obviously, we all love to, you know, go to fine dine places. 
So if I get an invite from there, I'll see, I'll be like, okay, wow, that's Instagramable. That's new, new things always do better, better because people want to know all the new spots that are opening up. Mm -hmm. And then also another thing, uh, another way I find new places is through family friends. So they will tell me that, okay, you know what? We went to Sharjah and there was like the best Pani Puri that we ever had or the best shawarma we ever had. These are not invites. They're purely just me going and trying the food. So I love to mix that up a little bit as well. That's really helpful because that means it's like, you know, word of mouth. Like someone actually came to tell you that. Amazing. Okay. So we're choosing things according to word of mouth, according to the value they bring and according to just like aesthetics. Yes. Aesthetics. Is it trending? Like it maybe they have like a new product that's trending. For Mm -hmm. example, I don't know if you know about the fruit roll up ice cream. That trend on TikTok. Yeah. So an ice cream place called Frozen Factory started it. They started selling it. Man, Dubai moves so fast. Like it was just a trend. (laughs) What the hell? It starts with a TikTok trend and Dubai is just so fast with picking up that stuff. That's insane. I literally saw it yesterday. Now there's this restaurant. (laughs) There's like an ice cream place. They had like a whole campaign like on the tables. They were advertising. They had like roll up boxes, like empty boxes, but for advertisement for the ice cream. And I went and I tried it. So if you just keep doing that, if you yeah. keep looking up spots on social media as well, see what other influencers are doing. Maybe okay. the same thing you can do and elevate it, make it better. I like that. I like that same because you don't have to, it doesn't have to be original every single time, yeah, right? Like sure. you can actually build on what someone has already done. And that's not like, I don't think that's bad. That's not bad at all. It's just the way you go about it. Mm. So if you see a video and you see like a concept, maybe there's like a storytelling, a voiceover. And if you copy it exactly in that style, you don't have your own style. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, that doesn't look good okay. on your page and to your followers. Because they if they follow you, they probably follow that other creator. They're yeah. like, huh? Like, is she copying? Or how is that? But if you go to the same place, but you have a different approach, yes. maybe like a different way of filming. I think everyone has their own style. So if you stick to it, it's really good. It keeps you original as well. And it gives you more organic following. A hundred percent. What do you think is trending right now in terms of like just the way we cover food? Like I see a lot of people with voiceovers. I see a lot of um, storytelling tactics. Like, do you think people are more now into like storytelling longer form? Or do you think it's still like quick and cute is still the way to go? Like, what do you think? I think the best way to make videos and something that does really well in my experience is not too short as well. Even you can do like 20, 30 second reels, but voiceovers and, you know, the one with like the caption popping Mm -hmm. that really helps as well because that engages people and not everyone watches your videos on full volume. So it's good to have subtitles if you have a voiceover. A hundred percent. I've learned that like recently. Yeah, it's really, really important. People are such... People are also visual, right? So like the subtitles add to that like visual context kind of thing. Yeah. And it makes it really engaging. So there's an app called Captions. Right. So you have like 20, 30 different styles that you can pick. There's something that goes like this. There's something that goes like this. You can play Mm -hmm. around with the font. You can have like one word popping up every second. So it makes it really cool. Amazing. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about um, like the support that someone might need. Do you think that people should go out and kind of have a mentor or like have someone to work for and then go out on their own? Or do you think just pick up your camera and go? Because I remember you told me once that you had worked for one of Dubai's like very famous food influencers, uh, Just Food DXP. Had you been working with him and then did you pick up some stuff from there also? Yeah, like for uh, like when I was working with Alex, we were working as freelance content Mm -hmm. creators 
And honestly, like I saw the confidence that the guy had and he was dealing with all the clients and everything and the way he was so professional uh, about it and the way he would be with us as well as content creators was amazing. Like he was he would be so understanding, so flexible. So these are the things that I picked up. But also looking at his content, I was very inspired. Even he grew like, I think, maybe to 200,000 followers right now. And he's getting amazing collaborations. So it's always good to have someone like that. But I think that's not always necessary. You can find inspiration from many different people. But to start off, you don't really need a mentor, I think. Mm. You can just do it on your own if you're inspired enough. If you think your idea is good, if you think your niche is unique, then you should definitely start. Amazing. And do you think you should just start from like doing free content at the beginning? Yes. I mean, yeah. Not really free. It's not even going to be free, by the way. It's just for you. In the beginning, you're going to be investing money for a long time. Okay. It depends. Obviously, like, you never know when something's going to go viral, right? Right. So you're going to start from nothing. You're not going to have just people DMing you, please try try this, try that. You're not going to get invites. (laughs) That's how I started. So I would just dine out with my family. If I would be with my family, I'd try to get a few pictures. That's Mm -hmm. how the page started as well. And that's how I started going into food. And um, so, yeah. Amazing. I, that's how it starts. You start with a little bit of investment in the beginning. Yeah. And then you're going to see the results and then you're going to start getting invites, hopefully. And it'll be good. It'll be Amazing. worth it. That's such good advice. Now, I just I know this is like a very niche question, but I I've seen some tips on TikTok about this. And I wonder if it's true. Hmm. Do you think um, Gen Z aesthetics in terms of what they present online is different than the like millennial what they how like just talk to me about like even fonts and like stuff like that or like the minimalism like is there a difference do you feel I think there is yeah there is a difference for the aesthetics between the two so I think the Gen Z are more catchy and also the fonts and everything is more minimal even thumbnails like they're not really popping that much okay but millennials can be a bit different Mm -hmm. you know maybe they'll have like speech bubbles things like that but gen z they'll just have like the basic font on the thumbnail you know what i realize i feel like because millennial art or creativity is very salesy because it's very like choose me pick me pick me girl girl. (laughs) it's there's like a lot of pick me girl energy in 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 millennial like um, aesthetics Yeah. yeah gen z i feel like is like i'll just post this like a picture of a sunset with like tiny little minimalistic font and there you go that's that's my that's my content (laughs) that's my content like it or not like it or leave it yeah i think gen z is more like i don't give a shit attitude exactly right i 100 percent. i feel like it's like a very lazy fair like you like it you don't (laughs) like it i don't care i'm here to make content but it but you guys are very much more i feel like you're very business savvy at a much younger age which is really cool and i love to see that i get so happy when i get to know about people starting up their businesses like even my friends like literally all of us we were working full-time jobs and now all of us have like a small business going on so we talk about it as well there's one who has like um communication agency there's one who started a food brand there's one who's starting a tote bag business so it's really cool (laughs) that's so cool i love that i love that so much Now, for someone who's just starting out and they just really don't know how to price themselves, Mm -hmm. like, how would you go about creating a rate card for yourself? And is there a difference for, like, different skill sets and different skill uh, levels? 
So for the rate card, it usually has uh, a static post, the price of a static post, price for stories, price for reels. So when you send it to a brand, for example, they have a low budget, they'll be like, okay, can you just do stories for us? Mm -hmm. So that's how it usually works. Now to make a rate card, there's like a whole system, by the way, I saw a video about this recently on TikTok, but I I didn't follow that process. It's, it involves a lot of maths. I'm not good at it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're not doing maths here. It was like, yeah, it was like, take a percent of your followers then take the percent from which country you're in, then do this, then do that, then multiply it with how many sales you're bringing. And then you do the rate card. So I was like, okay, that's a bit complicated, but uh, I wish there was like an easy way and I had like a good process for it. But there's, it always depends on the content as well. So if you're yeah. a restaurant content creator, there's a lot in the market. It's heavily saturated. Right. You can charge like crazy and you can charge from the beginning. Okay. I think after 10,000 is when you think about charging. Until then, no. Really? Probably not going to work out. Yeah. But wait, but you said that you approached a brand at 5K followers. Yeah, for barter. For a barter. Yeah, because I was like, that restaurant was really nice. It was trending. And I was like, okay, might as well have a barter collaboration so I can, uh, you know, show people more food, things like that. In Mm -hmm. the beginning, you invest, then barter, and then paid. So it's like a three-step process. Invest, do the content yourself. It's just for you and your friends. And then barter deal and barter could include just you dining there for free or what is it? Yeah. Barter is basically anything that you're getting for free. So if you're like getting Sony headphones or a camera for free, but you just need to create content for them, that's Mm -hmm. the kind of barter. That's a barter deal. And then paid collapse. And paid, you can always increase as your followers increase. So if a brand approaches you, maybe like if a brand approaches me this month, I'll send them my rate card. Mm -hmm. But suppose my videos go like really viral and I'm like 20,000 more in two months and then they approach me again for another collaboration. I can just send them a new rate card. I'll be like, hi, because of my following, because of my profile Mm -hmm. growing, all of that, my rates have slightly changed. You can let me know if that works for you. So you can always do that as well. That's a nice way to go about it. It's like kind of negotiating, but at the same time being like, this is what I'm offering you. This is my rate. And so, yeah, take it or leave it kind of thing. Exactly. Amazing. Is there a number, is there a specific number that like first time creators should aim for at the beginning or, I mean, give us a number. Yeah. Okay. Okay, So for example, you have 10,000 followers and someone approaches you for a reel. I think a reasonable price for that would be 500 dirhams. Okay. Yeah, you can make 500 dirhams. For one reel. It can be like one reel, yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe if they want stories, you can be like, okay, that'll be like another 150 to 200 dirhams. Now, this is just my point of view. Some people might think it's low. Some people do charge higher, like Mm -hmm. way higher. It even depends on the kind of creator that they are. Maybe they just do luxury things. So their rate is going to be way higher. Okay, very interesting. There is a a food content creator. She's literally like... Just she does luxury only, so luxury just like travel, m- luxury food. Wow. Purely Michelin that. Like imagine star. her life. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about cold, cold calling and DMing. Should you ever DM a brand? I think DMing is good, by the way, because okay. um, the social media agency that is running their account or maybe like their social media manager, they're going to reply to you very quickly. Now, this is for like restaurants, cafes, new places popping up. They... I don't think they check their emails that often. Mm -hmm. But as I said, like, you know, if it's like a big hotel brand or a big restaurant chain Mm. or like a PR agency that you just want to get into their list, the best way is to email them. Okay. But DMing is not bad. It's just the way you approach. Just be professional. Don't seem very needy. Like make them want your content. Right, right, right. Be appealing, basically. Like you're trying to attract them so that they can want you. And another thing with that is when you're approaching people, make sure 
it fits in with your niche. Even if you're getting a paid collaboration, like a brand is approaching you, mm-hmm. but that does not fit your niche, I, I'd say don't do it. Like, what would you say no to? So, for example, recently I got approached by a brand. It was like a food brand, but they wanted me to do a makeup video. They said, oh. we want you to do makeup looks about like that matches the food product. Kind of like that. Oh, okay. So it was a combination. It was like makeup and food. But then I said no to it because I was like, you know what? This content is not going to fit in with the rest of my content. Mm -hmm. My followers don't care about makeup. My followers care about new places. They care about activities. They care about travel. So I don't think it'll even perform well. So then I had to say no. So I think as a content creator, you need to know when to say no as well. That's very important. That's great advice. I think in a, in a time where, you know, if you, especially if you're like someone who's freelancing, who's yeah. on your own, like you really want to say yes to everything because you want to be a yes person. And you want to get the money. You want to get that bag. But like <laughs> at the same time, like you can't, like you can't because it will, it will ruin your performance. Yeah. I mean, uh, it depends. Some people do it and it works. But personally, mm-hmm. I think that stick to your niche. Mm-hmm. So even if your niche can be different things as well, like two or three different things. So like I said, I started with food but now I'm doing activities I want I really really want to get into traveling like that's my dream to you know collaborate with tourism boards and all Mm -hmm. of that so you can always do that you can do two to three things at once but um it depends changes we've talked about how to approach a brand right and how to you can cold cold email um dming but then how what do you think is the art of maintaining a relationship with a brand like I feel like it's it's easy to approach because yes. you don't know them and they don't mm-hmm. know you. But what is, like, how do you continue working with them and maintaining that relationship? What do you think is the most important factor? I think the most important thing is how you communicate with them. Very, very important. So in the beginning, obviously, you're going to be eager. They're going to be excited to work with you. Mm-hmm. And then if they're like, you know, if it's like a paid collaboration, you get excited. You're like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But communication is so important and mm. not over-promising. So right. only promise what you can deliver. Okay. Because that's just going to, you know, put you down. Which is hard sometimes because you get so excited that yeah. you think you can do it all. <laughs> exactly. You get really excited, but it's really good to like, you know, keep yourself like, okay, give yourself a reality check. Be mm-hmm. like, this is what I have. This is what I can do. This is what my audience are interested in. Communicate that with the brand and accordingly create the content. So how you can keep up the brand relationship. Okay, now you have good communication, all of that. Also, you need to be very professional with them. Mm. So sometimes a brand can take advantage of you and you need to stop that from happening, right? So you need to set your boundaries. And what does that look like? What does the taking advantage look like? The taking advantage can be that they pay you for a video and then they ask you for like 10 different changes. So from the beginning, you can be like, hi, I thank you so much for your interest. I can do this for you because, you know, you're uh, offering me this much money. Mm -hmm. What I can offer you is maybe like two times I can revise the video. So that's really good to mention in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So when later they say, "Okay, revise this, revise that, revise this, revise that. It keeps going back and forth. You can't be like, I'm not going to do it because in the beginning you agreed. So it's really important to do that as well. So, And I realize even like big, um, big companies, like I used to work for this like agency in, in Australia and I was a producer there. And I remember we had to tell the clients like three changes max yeah. and that's a lot anyway. Um, and then after that, you have to pay extra. Exactly. So I think that's a smart way to do it because uh, that way the brand will know they'll be more careful. They will they will study the video and give you like a whole list of feedback or things to change. So it can just happen in in one go. I think Mm -hmm. that's better for the agency, better for the content creator because you're not wasting the agency's time as well. A hundred percent. So you put that in a contract or like, yeah. Okay. So when you are 
you know, the first initial stages, you do you send them a contract that you've already created, had created? So mostly when brands want to collaborate with you, they send you a contract. Okay. But you can always go through it thoroughly. It's very important. It's going to be a long contract. Sometimes right. it's going to be like four pages, five pages, but read it word to word. Um, and hopefully everything should be good. Like in UAE, everyone's very like, you know, they obey the laws and mm -hmm. they will not take advantage of you or anything like that in mm -hmm. terms of content as well. They'll be very straightforward in the contract. So it's good to read it thoroughly. Mm -hmm. So, and if you want to add anything, just feel free. You can just send them an email. Always have like a, th like a thread of emails. Okay. So don't uh, promise these things or do all of this discussion on call or WhatsApp. It's always good to email for okay. like these bigger collaborations. So that it's documented. Yes, for sure. Okay, that's very, very good advice. And when do you mention the part where like you'll only do like two to three changes? When do you mention that? That can be when you're signing the contract. You can be like, as per the contract, everything I have signed it, but mm -hmm. these are the conditions as well that I would like to add. And if it's like a good agency, I'm sure they'll understand and they mm -hmm. will agree to it as well. They'll agree to it. Okay, amazing. That's really good. Um, talk to us about, you know, after a while, when you have done so much food content, is there a is there a time where it becomes a little bit? Do you ever get creators block from that, or do you ever get like some kind of yeah stagnation? Like, what do you do? How do you solve that <laughs> issue? <laughs> what inspires you? I think it's like important to continue being inspired, right? Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, everyone goes through a creative block. It can be in any kind of career as well. Mm -hmm. If you're a photographer, if you're a content creator, everyone goes through this. I think it's just different ways of finding inspiration. For me personally, I think social media is where yeah. I find inspiration as well. I'll see other creators doing it. I will look at new places popping up and Dubai easily inspires you. Yeah. But like it's the way it is, the There's food places that things. are opening, there are new things, there are new activities all the time. So that helps. And another thing that really, really helps is having friends in the same field. Like content creator friends that you meet up, they, you know, if they're the ones that are there to support you, if they're nice, supportive, you can talk to them about your struggles mm. and you can, you know, think about ideas with them as well. Amazing. Yeah, it's really good to have that. And I do I like I have some really nice content creator friends. You do find mm. them along the way. And they really push me through it and they help me out as well. Is there any time that you guys like do the same content and then you're like, uh oh, like this is awkward. I mean, yeah. So if you're like, OK, so there are two types of groups and content creators, mm -hmm. right? There's one that is like very competitive. Mm -hmm. That's a bit toxic. Mm. So maybe like, you know, obviously be in a good relation with everyone. Like, you know, because Dubai is small, don't have bad blood. But those are the content creators. You're like, hi, hello. If you see them at events, you know, you're going to be polite to them and all of that. But the ones that you will really find inspiration with and motivation with, those are the ones that you don't have competition with. It's okay. You yeah. can literally film the same place. Yeah. And now with the Instagram feature where you can collaborate, it makes life even better. That's so true. Yeah. It is. It's so much fun when you find people like like-minded people who like to do the same thing. Yes. That's and we just have our own style. We know that we're mm -hmm. going to approach it from a different way where we have our own ways to film. Maybe I'll add a voiceover. My friend won't do that. She'll just do the text. Yeah. So it happens like that. And I think that's a healthy way of going about it. Amazing. So as a full time content creator, tell us how you plan your content around the month. Like, do you have certain like retainers, client retainers, or like, do you just try to approach as many people as possible? Like how, what's your style of working? I'm not a very organized person. I'm quite messy. Okay. I'm going to be honest about that. 
Uh, so it's just, I'm sort of all over the place right now. So we have our agency, the agency Desert Media is something that me and my sisters do. Mm -hmm. So then the retainer and monthly contracts and stuff, that's with the agency. As a content creator myself, then I, you know, regularly just go through emails and I don't plan my month. It just mm -hmm. sort of happens as it is. So I'll get a collaboration. Then I'll be like, okay, like it, that I can go maybe next week. If I edit, it'll be up by the, the week after that and all of that. And then I'll write it down as well. So I think I'm more of a weekly planner than a monthly planner because okay. things change fast. Right. Events happen like really quickly. And sometimes you're going to get like a last minute invite and you really want to go to that as well. That's so true because I was thinking if you had a retainer, then you can be like, okay, I've got like, you know, five reels I have to do, I don't know, this month. Exactly. This, uh, yeah. And then, but then there's like events that come up and you have to, yes. have to get that out quickly, I guess. Yeah. Do, but, yeah. But as a content creator, I just want to make one thing very clear is that retainers are not a thing, by the way. I really? think it's like mostly they're going to pay you for a project or pay you for a campaign. And the campaign is just going to be like a one-time one time thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're lucky, maybe it's going to go on for a month. But that is like 20% of what actually happens. 80% it's like one event or one campaign. Yeah. And if they like you, they'll approach you for another one like in two weeks or a month. Oh my God. Okay. So it is very unreliable when it comes to money. It is a little bit unreliable. Yeah. But like, hey, people are making a living out of it. And exactly. now that you have your like um, social media, digital, I never know how to say it for some reason. Digital <laughs> social media agency, it's right? It's a tongue twister. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Now that you have that agency, what do you hope to do with that? Like, what is your like aim? Because you already do your food content. Is that going to be like kind of extra like um, content for the food? Yes. So that agency right now, the goal is to create content for restaurants and cafes. Mm -hmm. First, when we started the social media content agency, we were like, let's just do it for everyone, any business. It can be like a mobile phone cover brand or yeah. it can be, I don't know, like LED lights or anything. But mm -hmm. then when we got into it, we're like, you know what? There are a lot of agencies that are just doing it for everyone. They're, yeah. they're just making TikToks and Reels for everyone. So just to keep ourselves a bit different and also do something that we're all good at. Yeah. We're like, let's focus on food. And okay. we love doing that. We, you know, filming in the kitchens, coming up with ideas. It just works very naturally. And mm -hmm. even my sister is a content creator, a food content yes, creator. Yes, I've seen that. She's very yeah. good. Yeah. And then the other sister is a makeup blogger. But then we all know how to film and, you know, get the content right. So uh, basically, I kind of lo I lose myself. No, no, it's okay. Um, so basically, we're talking about like what content um, you're going to be focusing on yes. in terms of like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, the agency. Yeah. So my plan is to make it more and I want it to be like a uh, like a community for creatives. So I want content creators to get together, inspire each other, maybe have like, you know, like mini summits. Yes. And like classes and workshops, because a lot of people want to learn content as well. So small mm -hmm. businesses, they're not going to have enough money to hire me or an agency like that, you know, to create the content. You do something really cool on your uh, page, which is like you highlight um, best, like best of things, yes. right? So you have like a carousel of like, you know, this week and I don't know, best content creators or best, right? Yes. Like you have this, like I, a top five thing, top five thing. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I love that. I think it's so, you so unique and so cool. Um, and I feel like it's just fresh content. Like it's fresh. Yes. Like every oh. week, like we have a post ready because you know, there's something new happening all the time. There's a new influencer that, that, that we find and we want to do it like for any category. It can even be like a car influencer, anyone, not just food related. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we do every week, finding a small business to support, uh, finding an influencer that we love, a chef that we're inspired by. That's really cool because I feel like people feel really seen in that 
And yeah. then they, that they'll join your community because exactly. they're like, oh my God, like they, you know, they shouted me out or like yeah. they like my content. That's really cool. It's a great way to grow the page as well. It in is. different categories. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So um, if someone came to you right now and they're like, I want to become a full-time content creator, like what do you think, what would you tell them today? Because it is a saturated market. Yeah. There is a lot of, and you started early. Like you started when it first started. Like when it first hit you were in high school yeah. so what would you say to people that you think you should they should do it or should you they choose another niche i think 100 do it okay because content creator is like a big thing like okay food content creators yes they're it is saturated but you can always find a way to make yourself different yes and it's not even necessary to be very unique and very good at what you do it can be something very very simple yeah. like literally start a blog all like all about the karaks of uae or or yeah. just with shawarmas like you can do anything there's just so much out there that's so uh, any kind of content like it's really funny uh one of my cousins he's like you know what hiba coming to dubai i've seen like the most beautiful bathrooms like it's unreal there should be a blog about that i'm like <laughs> oh my god make it i'm like that's insane <laughs> and i think that would do really well as well so Dude, there's a niche ideas. for everything. There's, Anything. I went to this. Um, I went to this some seminar for like podcasters and stuff like that. And um, someone had told me I had a meeting with someone later, and they were like, "There's a niche in podcasts for loyalty programs," which is what? so random. <laughs> Who would listen? To I don't know. Other okay, yeah, brands. Other people in loyalty program. Yeah, oh, like people uh, okay. brands. Yes, brands would listen like other businesses would listen so it's such a niche topic like yeah that is so strange imagine I would never ever on youtube be like loyalty program <laughs> you yeah know? but you just never know what people are going to be interested in you just never know and it could like just go viral you know what yeah. it doesn't even matter if it doesn't go viral it, it, yeah if it's something that you love doing so i like you know okay everyone can start a page yeah but the way you keep going you mm-hmm. the way you keep pushing yourself is only when you're enjoying it Yes. So find something that you like and find something that you enjoy. And then at some point, you won't even feel um, demotivated. 100%. You just keep going. And it's more sustainable. Yeah, it's more it's sustainable. It's just way more sustainable. Something that you love doing, something that's easy to do you know, with with it, like with your routine. Like, for example, you can start content creation as well yeah. with your job. You can do it on weekends. If you're going out with your friends, you can review a place. 100%. It can be any like food content creation is honestly easier, though. Is People it? who are like maybe car influencers or travel bloggers. I think that's more difficult because they need to plan their travels months ahead. They I, need to plan their collaborations. I'm dying to know how travel content creators do this because it's like just logist- logistically sounds like a nightmare. Right. I'm just like dying to get someone. Itineraries yeah. on itineraries. It's so stressful. Flights, I don't know how connections. Do it. Yeah. And then finding the perfect hotel. Yeah. No. I, yeah. That's it is. It is hard. I would imagine. Um. I was going to ask you, like, what if you cover a restaurant, a cafe, and it's just not up to par with what you had expected? Like, would you give mm. them a bad review? Like, how would you go about that? So if it's like a new restaurant or like a small business that I think that if I put a negative review out there, it's going to affect their business. Mm. I'm not going to do that publicly to them. Okay. So what I do, I have a system. So if it's not good, I'm actually going to like send them a DM and ask to speak with their manager and give them like a full rundown of my experience and then suggestions as well. And then, you know, if you do that, they're going to find it very helpful. They're not going to be they're not going to be rude to you or anything. Yeah. They're be like, thank you so much for helping us out. And yes, we will definitely improve. So I think that's the way you can do it as well. You don't always need to bash them on social media. I yeah, think that's the way to go. That's true. And especially in Dubai, like I feel like here, like 
you know, people are very respectful of, of like not calling each other out on social yeah. media and like bad reviews. I feel like are okay. Like, I feel like it's okay to say that the service was not great. Yeah. hundred percent. That's fine. But like, what if it was a, I don't yeah. know. What if it was a paid deal? That, that That's makes hard. it tricky. Right. But I mean, uh, I've asked this as well to like bigger influencers. What do you mm. do? You know, if you do a paid collaboration and the food is not good. Yeah. So I asked this to Mr. Taster. He's an influencer. Mm -hmm. He's been doing it for years. He's like, Hiba, like if the food is not good, I will just tell them I'm going to refund your money, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to share it. Oh, wow. So you can choose to do that as well. You okay. can have that experience and then just choose to not share and then just give them a public review. That's great because that means you're like actually keeping your integrity. Like yes. you're, you're, you're saying, look, Thank you for the opportunity, but yeah, it just and I think it's a it's a great way to do that as well. But uh, for example, if it's a paid collaboration and maybe two dishes were not good, but the three were really good, I'm gonna talk mm. about the ones that were good and just give them a private review of what what needs improvement. And I'll be like, can you please make this better? But I will not suggest my followers to get the one that I didn't like. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's a good way to do it because then at least you're giving them like you're making the restaurant better, but in a very like in a more in subtle way i was gonna say indirect but actually it's more direct yeah because you're it is like more direct you're just telling them i think in any job in any uh anything that you do communication is the best way like just communicate M make make things simple don't hide don't don't just think like oh what if i do this what if i do that just yeah. talk to them they'll be happy more than happy and even running this agency that i'm doing everyone tells me before they start working with us they're like can you just promise us something? Can the communication please stay consistent? Because people okay. are very communicative in the beginning and then they just yeah. lose their, like they just don't do that anymore. So that's it's very key, important. That's, that's what that's like. I love that. Cause that's the key to sustainable like relationships with brands, right? Yeah. Just keep and, communicating. Yeah. And Dubai is small by the way. Mm -hmm. It's so important to stay professional because if an agency doesn't like you or if you're rude to someone, mm -hmm. the word's going to get out. It is going to get yeah, out. Yeah, because everyone knows everyone. So it's always good. Even if you don't have a good experience, stay professional. Mm -hmm. uh, be obviously be honest with them, but also stay professional while you're doing that because Dubai is small. You need to be careful. Yeah. You need to be good with influencers. You need to be good with agencies. Uh, that's so that true. Helps. I was going to ask you, like, have you ever done a collab with other influencers? So like, have you worked with other? I know that you work with your sister. So that's also yeah. kind of collaboration, right? What do you think is also like, what do you think is the secret to maintaining that relationship? Because creative ideas, when your idea like is just not aligning with someone else's idea, that could cause friction. Like, how do you get beyond that? Okay, so you're asking about creating content with other creators, right? Yeah. So that works sometimes. As I said, like if you have that one group that's really supportive, very mm -hmm. like they motivate you, you motivate them. It's mm -hmm. like back and forth. Yeah. So I have a friend, uh, her Instagram's MyDXBelly. She's a food content creator. Okay, yes, I've seen her, yeah. Yeah, you've seen yes. her, right? So we're like really good friends. Okay. So we had that friendship and then we became friends because we were both content creators going to the same uni. Okay. That's how it started. So with her, like, you know, we will do like collaboration posts. We will do recipes together. So mm -hmm. in one collaboration that we did that was that did really well was uh, they were easy Ramadan recipes. Mm. So we did like five videos together. So these are the collaborations that you can do. And when you're collaborating with the influencer, just make sure that the niche also sort of matches your niche. Okay. Their aesthetics are somewhat the same as well, because maybe you will not like their angles and mm. all of that. So go yeah. through their content. If you really like their content, you want to collaborate, reach out to the influencer. Yeah. Because of being a content creator, trust me, you're going to find friends as well. Yeah. It's the best way to do. I was almost because I... I 
used to think that like, oh, working alone could be lonely. Hmm, and I was it like, it can, I'm sure. But then, you know, you're giving me hope. Now you're yes. saying that like people could, you reach out and they yeah. reach out and it just becomes a collaboration. Yeah. And before you reach out, if you're overthinking, you're going to be like, shit, what if they, you know, they don't want to meet or something like that, or they don't want to collaborate. They're not interested in that. Don't think like that. Honestly, yeah. if it just comes to your mind, if you like someone's page, just say hi, compliment their content. I'm sure they're going to love it. And mm -hmm. I'm sure like they're going to give give you back the same energy, hopefully, if it's a nice hopefully. person. Amazing. So what advice would you give people who are starting out in this field and have a little bit of anxiety about like, for example, the finances? Like, how do you deal with that with that anxiety? Move in with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Such great advice. <laughs> Everybody go home. Yeah. Be nice to your parents, guys. <laughs> your parents. They're going to they're going to support you when you're freelance. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that, but it's so true. Um yeah, I mean, I think also like just I guess maybe ha have expectation that it is going to be anxiety ridden yeah. for the first couple of months. Exactly. Maybe forever. <laughs> so, I think okay, now the more that was just a joke by the way. Yeah, Actually, not really. I'm doing that. But <laughs> But what people can do is when you're working a full-time job and you start like content creating, uh, creating content on the side, mm -hmm. you can start saving up. If you think this is going to get bigger, if you want to do like travel blogging, things like that, mm. start saving up, be smart with your money. Just, you know, maybe like have a nice dinner or maybe twice a month. Don't just go every week. Yeah. So I think just limiting yourself, budgeting, saving, and then... Dubai could really suck up your yes, money. So you should, can. you have to be very like conscious about that. Yeah, for sure. I think if you're smart with your money, you can make it happen. And um, if you're good with your work and you really believe in it, mm. because if you start content creating, uh, sorry, if you start um, creating content just for the money, mm. that's not motivation enough. That's not motivation enough at, at all. I think like a lot of people have um, their anxiety also comes from the fact that they don't have a visa like to do these. Yes. Right. Like the freelancer visa is little bit pricey yeah i like, think it's like 15k or it's like something. 15k in total with yes. like health insurance and everything how did you, are you just like living life with your parents <laughs> so for me you? i got lucky I, I honestly another thing i wanted to say i believe in manifestation okay i but the, uh, the different kind of manifestation so i'm muslim i believe that if god wants it for you you're gonna get it talk to me girl yeah so basically <laughs> like that kind of manifestation so i remember i was in uni and uh, then I got my job in Khalish Times and, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was on my dad's visa and everything. And I was like, you know what? I really want the golden visa. I, like, I just want it so bad. And then I manifested it. I'm like, you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I ended up getting the golden visa. So that really helped my case as well. This is amazing. So I was like, okay, I I'm going to be that. good for a decade. I can do my freelancing. I can start my business, different things like that. Yeah. So that helped. But yeah, the freelancer visa is also a great way. It's a great way. Would yeah. you mind me asking, like, the golden visa, did you get it based on, like, um, like grades or like what what did you get it based on i got it because of my university because i was a distinction student oh, okay. but there are different ways to get the golden visa if you're just really good at your profession if you even get good grades in school this is for like the gen z's who want to start as well if they want to get a golden visa yeah. just focus on your studies do well in uni if you have like a first class honors you can always ask your unis to sponsor you um, yeah. and uh, actually not sponsor you like basically they tell amir center about you and then Amr center then processes your golden visa that's that's really how it works great. i love that i love that. i think that's really great advice for people who are trying to get into this right now I yeah. but even if they're not trying to get into content creation they're just trying to do their own thing i think yes. that's a really good thing it to helps know. a lot and 
like in UAE, they've made it very simple. Like the Amr Center makes the process so easy, so smooth. They guide you throughout. I mean, if you want to like know the money, I, I don't have the exact number, but it yeah. costs about five to six thousand and you're good for 10 years. Yeah, so it's like amazing. It's worth it. As a Gen Zer, what advice would you give a millennial who is trying to do what you're doing right now? Honestly, I'm between Gen Z and millennial as well. I'm like 24. I don't yeah. even know where I, I am right She's now. She's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, as an advice for millennials, I think it doesn't matter what's your age. Okay. Honestly, it matters about what you want to make content about. Yeah. It matters how motivated you are. Do you enjoy doing it? Do you love doing it? And then you can always find inspiration online. So no matter what age you are in, I'll just say start. Don't care about your age. Yeah. Don't care about, oh my God, what if my friends see my page and like they make fun of me or something like this. Get that social anxiety stuff out of your mind as well. Do Some people don't start because they because think that, that what will other people think. Wait, I want to, because I feel like there is a difference in mindset. Hmm. I feel like there's a, there's a way, like there's a difference in mindset because millennials are taught to listen to the rules and follow the yeah. rules. So leave us with a little bit of advice of like, how do you think millennials can think outside the box in order to kind of reach that like entrepreneurial mindset that the Gen Zers have these days? I think a great way to do that is honestly like listening to different talks as well on YouTube, watching other content creators that mm -hmm. really that's very inspiring, maybe um, connecting with different people online, mm -hmm. finding inspiration from there, finding inspiration from different social media platforms. I think that's an, uh, one way to think outside the box but to think exactly like gen z i don't know if that's possible no 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 there I is mean, like an age difference there is like mindset is different there's a mindset different and i feel like also when you're younger like there is a more risk-taking like energy yes. that you just like give less of a shit <laughs> basically basically but you can always like adapt i think you can yes. always adapt to different changes and you can always get inspired by other people other generations as well yeah. so i think the way to think outside the box is like they don't have to think outside the box yeah okay yeah you can find like it's like Go a Venn diagram you can find something in the middle okay that you like and like you know that. you can just work on that as well amazing thank you so much for being with us today Hiba. where can people find you like what are you doing these days and where can you uh, be seen online thank you so much for having me honestly it was such a fun conversation it was, i it loved was, it i think it was very important but for anyone who wants to find me you can find me on my instagram i have um it's cloud nine couture on instagram Hiba x k h on tiktok okay. and they can find my podcast as well the bigger picture podcast Amazing. Thank you so much. And guys, if you like this video, do like and share or just say a hey in the comments below. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah.